0: Every single one of us are going to face some sort of adversity at some point in life. And it's how you choose to face it. Putting purpose to your pain is resilience. Being a victim doesn't do anything for anybody, including yourself.
1: Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend but you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset, so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement, Built around real people, sharing real stories, focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. Now, before we get in today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement.
2: We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, Please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time, and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Free Time Podcast. Today is a very special day. I'm joined by one of my dearest friends, Fabi Powell. Fabi is an incredible young woman and just an insane visionary. Fabi and I got connected back in Nashville, the good old Nash days when I lived there. And uh, she's actually the founder of the Josh Powell Foundation, an incredible nonprofit that was inspired by the late First Lieutenant Josh Powell that really seeks to empower those that are newly diagnosed with sarcoma, really, really rare bone cancer. Fabi, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so excited we're finally able to sit down and do this now that we have all this free
3: time. <laughs>
2: I know, literally. It's crazy that this is what it took. I feel like you and I have been talking for at least a couple of months about okay. having you on because your story is so incredible and so impactful. But obviously our schedules are nuts, and you got three bulldogs there at home. They're keeping you pretty busy. <laughs> so
3: it's it's kind of tough to you down.
2: <laughs> um, Bobby, you, you're, you're really special to me, and I want to kind of give a little bit of context to the audience because I've gone off on this venture to start this show and it wasn't an overnight thing I and mean, it took a lot of encouragement from people like you to really help me understand that I had something to share and you know over the years as I've gotten to know you and as I've learned more about your story you've just um, been a huge catalyst and a positive spark so I just want to commend you for just being an you know an incredible person and for putting yourself out there i think that's huge You know, you and I connected back in Nashville. We met by the pool. What were you guys up to that day? Do you remember the first time we met?
0: Yeah. Natalie and I were at the pool. And I think it was you, Vinay, and um, was it Megan? Was Megan there?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was Megan.
0: Megan and Sarah. I know Sarah was there. Anyways, there was like no one at the pool. But Natalie and I were like in the water. And then you guys just showed up. And of course, Vinay's like... The connected <laughs> world, and we just all started chatting, and the rest was kind of history from there. The rest
2: is absolute history. I was newer to Nashville. name was one of my dear friends, actually, one of our dear mutual friends. And yeah, you yeah. opened that up so brilliant. But I remember like, I remember spotting you. I remember thinking, oh, like, she looks really cool and interesting. Like, I wonder what she's up to. And even before we said anything to you, I kind of had in my mind an idea of what you were going to be like. I don't know if that makes any sense. I mean, do you come across people that tend to put you in a box? I mean, you're this blonde woman, you're well-spoken. What's that like for you?
0: You know, it's sometimes challenging because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it comes off as like unapproachable and I'm not super outgoing right off the bat either. So I think it's By fate, that I meet incredible people because I feel like it's easy to judge a book by its cover. I've had many people throughout my life who have become dear friends of mine that have told me, you know, later on, oh my gosh, when I first met you, I thought you were X, Y, and Z, and then I got to know you, and you like totally shocked me as to who you were and what you were about. And I think that's kind of amazing to have people have this learning experience that. I mean we all judge. It's just part of human nature, but I think the more open-minded we can be and the more open we can be to accepting people who are maybe not typically like the person that you would be friends. I think the more frequently we get surprised by incredible people that end up being, you know, amazing individuals in our lives. I've kind of learned that through And I know we'll get into this down the road, but through being a young widow and having a unique story, I've had an opportunity to meet all kinds of different people that in any other circumstance I would probably never cross paths with or would never be super close with. And I think those are the friendships and relationships that I cherish most are the ones that kind of came about in not an average way, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know there's something to be said for the serendipity and the mysteriousness behind life? Because I'm sure you would attest that, you know, being a young girl in Southern California, you didn't grow up dreaming about leading a nonprofit that inspires. Oh God, no.
0: I didn't know. I didn't even know (laughs) what it was. And then I'm like, who am I? I do skincare for a living and here I am like trying to change the world.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So you and I met in Nashville, but that wasn't the first time that you had been to Nashville. You'd actually come to Nashville, what, a year or two prior when you first met Josh?
0: Yeah. So I went on a girls trip in September of 2014. It was a long time coming. My best friend and I grew up listening to country music and have always been told, you have to go to Nashville. You guys will love it. And so we finally planned a trip. We Planned it around, like, I think there's a Titans-Cowboys game that we went to, and then um, Jared Beeman was playing at the Ryman. So we're like, oh, this sounds like a good weekend to go. There's fun activities, and then we can kind of just play the rest by ear. So we ended up flying out on, obviously, I didn't know at the time, but we flew out on 9-11, which was Josh's birthday. Oh, really? And then I like, isn't that crazy? That's, That's part of the reason why I joined the military, actually.
2: Oh, wow. Okay, we'll have to get into that. I never knew that part.
0: Yeah, so we went on the trip and I flew out there on his birthday, which I'm like very weird with numbers and <laughs> just, you know, yeah. I, I think that everything's connected and I don't know. I'm just like a strange bird. There's magic
2: to it. that though.
0: Yeah, so flew out on his birthday and then I didn't end up meeting him until my last day on that trip, after the football game, we ended up going back to one of our favorite bars that we had discovered on our trip, which was Honky Tonk Central. And he was down with his buddies to watch football from Fort Campbell, which is right on the border of uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. And he walked into the bar and we locked eyes and the rest was history there too. It was just one of those weird, right place, right time situations. I know without a shadow of a doubt that Josh was placed in my life for a reason. And I was supposed to love him unconditionally and vice versa. And
3: yeah.
2: So I'm really curious about that first interaction between the two of you, because I think it really sets the stage for how the story unfolds shortly thereafter. But taking me gotcha. back to that first interaction. So yeah, you walk in, there he is with the homies, How did you know that this was deeper than an infatuation, right? I mean, it's Nashville. I'm sure it wasn't the first time on the trip that you saw an attractive guy. But like, what was it about this gentleman? Like, what was it about Josh that immediately captivated you? There must have been something.
0: So he was intriguing, but I'm typically the type of person where it takes me a long time to meet somebody that I'm like, actually intrigued by where I'm like, I could see myself being with this person or I could see myself marrying this person. That doesn't happen to me very often. I'm not like, I was never boy crazy growing up. I never had like these huge celebrity crushes. So it always was based off of chemistry and just like that feeling that you get. And I didn't have that right away. Well, I shouldn't say that. I wasn't infatuated, which I knew was a plus because that's typically what I do. I like fantasize relationships and they end up swapping, you know, and this was the first time in a long time I got out of a serious relationship a year prior. And I was finally in a place in my life where I was like really established in my career. And I was just, it was the first trip that I like let my hair down and just had a good time and like met great people and wasn't like, I don't know, like a prude.
3: No, no. (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so fun. Why have I waited my whole life to be like
3: this?
0: (laughs) But it was, I don't know. There was just something about Josh where he was so easy to be around. It was like very comfortable Mm. and I wasn't intimidated by him, but he was also very attractive and he was like shy enough, but confident enough at the same time. And I don't know. I Honestly, I didn't think that we would ever see each other again. I thought, like, what a wonderful trip. I met numerous people that I enjoyed myself with and, you know, just people from all over. There was a guy from New Zealand who was road tripping with his twin brother across the U.S. And he was incredible. I met another guy who was also military. He lived in Nashville. We met, like, I don't know, like, probably 10 people that we stayed in contact with after the trip. So it was like... Nashville in itself had this amazing energy. And then there was Josh. And I went back home, and we both kind of were like, wait, are we really never going to see each other again? This is so sad. And we started FaceTiming like that next day and never stopped. And just, it was probably the first FaceTime date that we had where we talked for. I don't know, two or three hours, and he's not a phone person at all. I'm really not a phone person either. But if I like somebody and am excited about them, obviously I am.
3: Yeah,
0: gonna yeah. Get excited
3: about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he just—I always tell people this—and I had this dream in my life that, like, whoever my future husband would be, that he would be like a little piece of all the best parts of everybody that I've loved throughout my life, and he was exactly that. He was athletic and humble from a small town, but cultured. And he was close with his family, like really, really close with his grandparents. He told me a story the first time we talked about how his grandfather built him a pond in his backyard and they used to go fishing and like, oh my God, how cute. Like that's how I see my kids growing up. And of course, we weren't like jumping in and talking about that kind of stuff yet, but you know, you listen to people when you get to know them and you start thinking, like, can this person fit into my life? And, you know, I I don't date people just to date people. So I realized really soon after first meeting him that he was special and somebody that I wanted to spend time getting yeah. to know. Him.
2: Yeah, it definitely sounds like from how you tell this story, and I just, every time you tell this story, you speak about him, I just wish selfishly I had an opportunity to meet him. It just oh my very gosh, oh
0: I was just thinking about that the other day. I'm yeah. like, the biggest bummer is all the incredible people that have come into my life since you passed away. And just how much I know you all would love each other so much.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. No. 100%. You, you don't 100%. get to be here, but
0: you'll be But to in a it.
2: weird way, it's kind of like we have the opportunity to go in deep and to develop a relationship and all the other people that you're meeting and that you're developing relationships, like you're getting these opportunities through Josh in a weird way, kind of like coming full circle. Yeah. Now you guys are having conversations all the time via FaceTime. It's obviously becoming very, very apparent that there's something deeper. Um, Yeah. Talk to me about what your next move is because from what I know, and I want you to share this in your words, from what I know, you kind of made like a game time, life changing decision. Yeah.
3: Yeah, So
0: we met in September. We talked pretty much every day moving forward. So we had talked about me coming back to Nashville. It was hard for him to get time off of his work that he was doing at Fort Campbell because he had just got stationed there. So he didn't want to like, you know, ask for leave too soon. And so we decided that I would go out there around Thanksgiving time to meet his family. And so we met September 14th and then November 8th, he asked me to, like, officially be his girlfriend, and so I flew out there. We went on our first official date. I met his whole family. We drove up to Kentucky. I met his dad and his grandmother, and it just fit. Like, it was so easy, and his mom and I hit it off right away. We were very similar, and then i went back to nashville like smitten because i was so nervous i'm like what if i like, built this all up in my head and
3: mm-hmm.
0: here we've been talking on the phone for the last you know couple months yeah. and
3: what if i fly out there and there's like n-
0: nothing like what if we just right.
2: this up? yeah it so was we were, kind of like a pen pal type of like fantasy that yes. like, so we fit in the real time
0: I was so nervous, but of course, as soon as I got there, he like picked me up from the airport, had flowers, and was just so sweet, and the chemistry was there. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, because what if I was here for like the next four days, and it was just terrible, but that's just me, obviously, putting my heart on the line, just taking the risk, but in the meantime, I forgot to mention kind of an important part. Um, Josh had just gone through ranger school prior to being stationed at Fort Campbell in the summer. And he was having some lower abdominal pain. And so while we were talking September and October, he had told me that he had a doctor's appointment to go get it checked out because he also had had a sports hernia operation while he was at West Point. He played football for Army there. And he had a sports hernia operation done, and he thought that maybe he had another hernia. And so in October, he went to the doctors. They did a biopsy, and it came back. Um, undiagnostic, so they had to do an open biopsy after that. So no answers, but they thought that he had a tumor, not, not a hernia. And so in October we had that conversation. He was really nervous, you know, after going to the doctors and them telling him that he might have a tumor. Mm-hmm. You know, I just told him, Well, let's just not jump the gun. Like we don't know if it's malignant yet. It could just be something benign. We'll just wait and see and cross that bridge when we get to it. So I go there in November, come back. And then I believe it was 10 days after, like somewhere around November 18th, he got the results back and they had diagnosed him with synovial sarcoma. So it was really soon into our relationship where we started um, kind of dealing with heavier real life things than, you know, a normal couple would. Yeah. And. You know, he, it's funny because he tried to get rid of me right away. He was like, I would never expect you to stick around. Um, you know, I think you're the most amazing person I've ever met, but I would never think less of you if you decided that this isn't something that you want to continue with, you know, the circumstances that are laid out on the table. Right off the bat, without question, I was just like, I'm already in love with you. I'm not going to like fall out of love with you because you are diagnosed with cancer. If not, it makes me want to love you more through this. And so we just never talked about that again. And I just stuck by his side and then he planned a trip to come out to California to meet my family in December. And then shortly after that I came out for New Year's Eve. So we did back and forth for a little bit and then, Soon after that, I decided, you know, with him starting chemo and radiation and all of that, it was so hard to be far away. You know, yeah. just imagine being in love with someone and then going through like the hardest days of their lives, and you can't be there physically. Right. So I moved to Nashville from Southern California in March. Okay. So five months after we met. He him? Not well, kind of. So I temporarily moved in with his family. And he was, he had a house up in Clarksville where he was stationed, but was staying with his mom and stepdad because Vanderbilt where he was being treated was a lot closer. And so we both moved in with his family until I found a place. And then I moved out, um, in April, like just a month after I moved out there, it just took me a month to find a place. I got a one bedroom and he didn't move in with me. We set, you know, good boundaries because we didn't want, like what if this wasn't a forever thing? Like I didn't want to make him feel like you have to stay with me for the rest of your life because I moved out here for you.
2: Oh uh, yeah, that, that's a good point because there can definitely be a little bit of sentiment in the air not saying that either of you you know believe this but there can be a sentiment that all right like this girl's picked up her whole life to move out here for me
3: yeah, like, yeah I, get, sure. I, I
2: get better and maybe she's not the one but now yeah. it to her like like there can be that yeah. weird sort of like exchange going on in the back of my, people's minds for sure
0: for sure so we yeah. had those conversations before i moved out here just to make sure that You know, we thought of every scenario and that me moving out here was still a good idea. And I told him, I was like, listen, if this doesn't end up working out, I'm still going to stay in Nashville. Like, I fell in love with the city. I've outgrown Southern California. I need a change in my life. And so because of that, I think it was easier for him to digest and not feel so much pressure Mm -hmm. for me, you know, leaving everything that I know and love in California to come out here. So, um, it wasn't long after I moved into my own place that we then got a bigger one bedroom and we moved in together. But, you know, we we were very cautious about not rushing in too quickly because of the circumstances, but also not wasting time because we were so in love with each other.
2: Yeah, no, I love that you bring up this concept of time. You know, this is the free time podcast because yeah. I am very passionate about the time that we have to ultimately find our our purpose and and make the impact that I think we're all put here to make in our own individual ways. But time's tricky because you don't really know how much of it you have. Like, you just can't go log on like a Kendra bank account and be like. I have this many days or years left and thank God you can't because that probably drives us crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But like, Josh has been diagnosed, you move out here, you guys are doing life. I mean, is there ever any point during that whole kind of unfolding of events where you start wondering how much time he has left or is Josh wondering how much time he has left? Like, what's that conversation like between the two of you and how are you managing time? as best as you can with everything going on?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I love how you phrased all of that. So, to answer it as easy as possible is, no, like, we never thought that this cancer was going to take Josh's life. So, did it help us understand that the chances of his life being cut shorter than normal would be higher? Yes. Yeah. But, we didn't feel like rushed to do things because when he was diagnosed, his tumor, although it was huge and in a very tricky spot and a very shitty cancer, it was contained. And because of that, until it metastasizes, you don't really feel like you're on a time clock, right? Because there's still hope there's, you know, multiple treatment options available. It wasn't until we got to a place where his cancer had metastasized. We had, tried numerous um, treatment options that weren't successful that we were like, oh God, like what now? What happens if we can't find something that works? And so that wasn't until the spring of 2016. So we had a year.
2: You had moved out the previous year, right? Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So we had a year where we lived life very full, but also very hopeful and very optimistic. So we didn't feel like time wasn't on our side, but at the same time, you know, you definitely live life differently once you are diagnosed with cancer at 25 years old. Yeah. And truly, it's interesting because I follow a lot of people who are battling cancer currently or who have lost their their lives to cancer. And one thing that a lot of people say, and I can't say this firsthand, of course, but I know Josh would say this, is that their cancer diagnosis kind of was a blessing in a weird way Mm. because it it woke them up and it it helped them realize how short life is and it helped them discover their purpose. And those who are lucky enough to make it to the other side, you know, on that cancer free side of life. You, know, you still deal with a lot of crazy things. You're always worried it's going to come back. But I think your purpose is a lot more clear. It's kind of how after losing Josh, my purpose became very clear as well. And I know that's something that you have been gifted with and have done a lot of soul searching and hard work to get there. But there's just something so fulfilling about living your life once you figure out why you were put on this earth. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Like now that you're kind of figuring that all
2: out? 100%. I mean, I feel like because I'm kind of up to something that I feel like has been created for me in some sort of a sense, there's like a duty, there's a mission, and like an obligation there almost. Yeah. That makes me feel like I'm playing for something bigger. I think where people do struggle with just sort of going through life in the clouds or just kind of going through the motions is when they haven't really come into connection with what that mission or what that greater reason may be. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's, so, it's so easy just for the human body to take over control and just to like, just do the same repetitive behaviors because I mean, we're human beings. Like we're sort of built and designed to look for the shortcuts and when you have yeah. something bigger than yourself pushing you that really pulls in your heartstrings, it's tough for you to kind of pull yourself out of that to consciously choose a, a better decision, whatever that yeah. may
3: be.
0: It's not the easier road. <laughs> you it's know, li- living your purpose, that's something, it's like, it's your passion project. It's what you do outside of what you get paid to do, which you're usually doing, you know, 40, 80 hours. Out of the week, so your free time is spent doing more work, but work that's important and that matters to you and that has a bigger purpose. I always tell people, finding purpose within your pain is the key to surviving heartache, pain, and adversity. I think. Yes. For me, that that was a no brainer. Yeah. I was. This isn't my story for no reason. I'm not a 29 year old widow.
2: Oh man. For
0: no reason, I have to find purpose within this painful experience and help other people who will come after me or nah. people who are already in the thick of it who need help getting pulled out of
2: it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. One of my favorite um, motivational speakers slash mentors, Ed Milet, talks a lot about this and he
0: said Yes. I just had a phone call with him the other day.
2: Oh, we got to talk about this offline. Yes,
0: he is so incredible. Max Max,
2: out. (laughs) Max out. Shout out to Ed. I mean, he definitely was an inspiration for me to start speaking more vocally. But anyways, he talks about giving your pain a reason. Like, you shouldn't just go through pain for going through pain's sake. There should be a reason. There should be a fuel that propels you to greater heights um, that that darkness or that that challenging period serves. And I think it's one of the reasons why I'm just so personally taken and inspired by you um, to go from being a 29-year-old widow to now using this platform as a way to further, you know, the mission or the embodiment of your husband. It's just so incredible. So, like, talk a little bit about, about like, sort of the last few days you had with Josh to him eventually, unfortunately, passing to then yeah. how you grieved and, and decided to move forward to carry out, you know, I'm yeah. Josh's mission?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, the last days, everything happened very quickly. So if you have somebody who's young and healthy going through a cancer diagnosis, once they go from everything being contained to having it metastasized, it's a process that from getting that, the news that it's no longer contained to the end Of their life is usually fairly quick, Mm -hmm. but because they're young and healthy, it can kind of get drawn out. So we knew in August that Josh wouldn't make it to our wedding in May. Our oncologist was so amazing and I am forever grateful for her for being so upfront and honest with us because It's a terrible job to have to tell a 27-year-old at the time, or he was 26 at the time, turned 27 in September, that you're not going to be here in the spring. And so a lot of times, oncologists just avoid having the conversation. So I owe her everything for, for being honest with us, because had she not been, we probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to get married. Mm -hmm. because everything would have happened too fast and we wouldn't have been prepared because we had all the hope in the world, right? Josh was 26 and, you know, a linebacker, never lost at anything was never going to lose to cancer. Right.
3: Yeah.
0: And so luckily because of her, we were able to prepare. So in, In August, she told us that there were no other treatment options and the treatment options that we had tried weren't successful. So there's no cocktail, no chemotherapy, no clinical trial that was going to stop the growth of the cancer. So we knew that it was just going to continue to grow and spread, Mm -hmm. which is very painful and very heartbreaking. So in August, we both looked at each other after getting that news and we're like, shoot, like, what now? That was the first time I lost it in the treatment room or in the in the hospital. I normally was the strong one, and he's always strong. But I lost it because I knew what was coming. And he was like, we need to have our babies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: like, Babe, we need to get married. And he was like, I know we need to do that too. he's like, why don't we just move our wedding date to our engagement party date, which was in November. Cause all of our friends and family were coming for that anyway, coming in town from California. And I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. So we just got on the fast track and then in between going to our major league baseball stadiums to, cause that was our bucket list. Yeah. In between that visiting West Point, we never stopped doing stuff. So in between all of that, we planned a wedding in two months. And we ended up getting married on a rooftop, downtown Nashville. So very full circle to where we met. And we got married November 12th and Josh passed away on December 13th. So the last days were really just Josh being Josh, like in the palliative care unit, not able to do anything on his own, telling me that he wanted to go duck hunting. And I'm like, what? He also wanted me to like go to Foot Locker to enter this lottery. So he could win this pair, not win, but like become eligible to win this pair of Jordans that he wanted. And I'm like, only you are like on your deathbed, still living life and still like making plans for the future. And that's why his legacy exists because that's how everybody should go out. Not <laughs> succumbing to cancer, not giving cancer power over you. And yeah. and I actually told this to Ed Mylett when I was talking to him on the phone. I was like, I am on a mission to end the phrase, he lost his battle to cancer or she lost her battle to cancer. Because I don't think that cancer ever deserves a win. I just don't think that phrase should exist. I think his life was taken by cancer or, you know, cancer stole her life, whatever phrase you want to use. But I always say cancer never wins because no matter what the outcome is, if you don't give power to the thing that's trying to kill you, it can't win.
3: Yeah.
0: So Josh left this earth three days after army beat Navy for the first time in 14 years. And I swear to this day, he hung on just for that. (laughs) I got one of my girlfriends and her husband to find those Jordans. So he's laying in his hospice bed and I put those Jordans on his feet. He wasn't communicating anymore at this point because he was so highly medicated. But I mean, that's how Josh went out. He never stopped living and it was through everything that we went through together and how he faced every single piece of bad news, every little piece of adversity throughout our journey. Yeah he just did it in a way that was so admirable. And I'm like, if I can figure out a way to bottle this mindset up and gift it to newly diagnosed patients, Mm -hmm. we're onto something. Yeah. Because through Josh's legacy, he's had an opportunity to inspire thousands of people all over the world who have never even met him. If a hundred people can do that, And we can create this ripple effect Mm -hmm. of these like-minded individuals who face adversity with resilience and Mm -hmm. grace and power and just inspiration. Mm -hmm. The whole world will be a better place Mm because every single one of us are going to face some sort of adversity Uh at some point in life. And you and I just talked about this. It's how you choose to face Uh it, putting purpose to your pain is resilience. Being a victim doesn't do anything for anybody, including
2: yourself. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it breaks my heart when people just relinquish all power that they have over how they can show up no matter what the situation is. And, and Hey, listen, like something as awful as cancer or, you know, the Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant. I can only imagine the amount of pain that people go through, right? Because life's going to come at us all in a variety mm-hmm. of ways and it comes fast. And I think your story is mm-hmm. such a testament to that. But what I'm hearing from you and what I love so much about this story and why I wish I could have met Josh is he just had this uncanny ability just to keep it going. I mean, yeah. it, it, it appears that everything throughout his entire process was just kind of a, Shrug of the shoulders, a bump in the road, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> and just, this is
0: exactly. This is just a bump in the
2: road. I'm like, okay. Where did I'm that really- come from? I mean, like, is, is that how his family operates? Did he ever tell you where he got that from? I mean, I'm just curious because yeah. I 110% agree with you. If we could even find a way to, like, dose that to people, even in the yeah. smallest amount, like, the world would yeah. be revolutionized.
0: I think a lot of it is how you're raised and how your parents teach you to deal with adversity. Mm -hmm. Josh, growing up, he had a stutter, you know, speech impediment, and he got bullied as a kid. And in the fifth grade, he told me this, he said, in the fifth grade, I decided I'm not going to let anybody mess with me anymore. Mm. And he just stood up for himself and stopped letting people pick on him. And his mom was a huge encourager in his life. She always pushed him to keep going no matter what. Well, he grew up in a small town in Kentucky and his parents divorced when he was young. So that's, you know, challenging being a single mom and teaching your kids kind of the ropes on your own a lot of the time. And she worked full time. So she was a great example of keep going, you know, and continuing to live life and do hard things despite the adversity that you're facing. And so after that, he became a leader and he stuck up for all the kids who would get picked on. And then they moved to Florida um, because of his stepdad's job. He was special forces in the military. They moved to Florida and he had to start fresh, you know, in a in new state. He had this thick Southern accent wore cowboy boots, So people, you know, Picked on him too, again, for that. But then he became the quarterback of the football team and had this huge opportunity to mentor other students and to be a role model for other people. And I think because he faced adversity as a young kid, he also was gifted with the ability to be empathetic. Mm. And that's a beautiful combination to have, to be confident Empathetic and to have history of not always getting everything your way or having everything handed to you. You know, he there were bumps in the road throughout his whole life, yeah. and through what his mom taught him, and through just the natural character that he was born with, he developed this ability to be able to kind of power through anything yeah. that was thrown his way, and then there was a recruiter who came to watch some other football player while he was playing in high school from West Point and his coach, who was kind of like a father figure mentor to him, was like, I think you should have them look at you. I think you should consider going to West Point. And of course Josh was like, wanting to have a normal like party college life and decided to go that route. You know, he was really intrigued by the military. His stepdad is in the military. And like I said, he was born on 9-11. So he kind of felt called to serve. And that was one of the best decisions he ever made. He loved being a part of West Point in the brotherhood and just honoring his country and would have given anything to be able to go overseas and, and fight for our freedom and and all that good stuff. But to answer your question, sorry, that's a long-winded answer, but there was just something in Josh always. It wasn't just I got diagnosed with cancer and I decided that I wasn't going to let it get the best of me. That's just his mentality his whole life. And of course that got strengthened through going to a military academy and, you know, the discipline and the struggles that you go through doing that. And then ranger school, of course, on top of that, he carried a tumor the size of a volleyball in his lower abdomen through ranger school. and You know, it really didn't phase him. I mean, he was in pain, but everybody was in pain. Yeah. So it's just who Josh was, you know, he, He always said, it's funny, there's this Eric Church song called A Man That Was Gonna Die Young. And he wanted that to be our wedding song. And I'm like, babe, that's so weird. We're not having that be our wedding song. But I think Josh always thought he was going to die young because of the way that he chose to live his life. Very full throttle. I think we all need that reminder every day without having you know, a cancer diagnosis hanging over us or some, you know, horrible thing to happen to us to realize, shoot, none of us are getting out of here alive. Like, I better start living the hell out of life today because what happens if I don't have tomorrow? I don't want to die with regrets. I don't want to wish that I did something that I never did because I thought I had forever. And because he lived his life like that always, he was very at peace as much as you can be under the circumstances that he didn't miss an opportunity ever to live the hell out of life. Yeah, And that was such a beautiful thing for me to witness and to be able to know that he did have so many life experiences in, in the, Short twenty-seven years that he had here on this earth, and now I live for both of us. So here I am, like jumping out of planes and doing all this crazy stuff that I <laughs> would never do. But I'm like, well, when in Rome. <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, thank you so much for opening up and, and just sharing that with all of us. I mean, truly yeah. remarkable man, very remarkable man. And I just want to go out on a limb and say that I've got to imagine that he is just so beyond proud of you, Fabi, for running with this and for championing that same spirit that he lived with. I think that the work that you're now doing is serving as a great motivator and a great inspirator for people that, whether they've got cancer or not. Sure. It's just, just giving them a different way to sort of look at life and a different context behind what it means to go after what you want, you know, whatever that sure. looks like just to pull the throttle back and go for it because we don't know how much yeah. time to have as we've obviously discussed. And I mean, the worst thing I can imagine is having that death moment come and thinking about all the shit that I didn't do, or thinking about the unfinished. Yes. And this brother went out with nothing unfinished. I mean, married the bride of yes. his dreams, got the Jordans that he wanted, <laughs> and now is continuing to find ways to impact lives even beyond you know his being yes. here. How beautiful is that? It's absolutely beautiful. I think so. Wow. Thank you much. Absolutely. So we're coming up on time here, but I do want to talk yeah. about the work that you're doing at the Josh Powell Foundation. Talk to yeah. me a little bit about the decision to actually go out on your own, put on your entrepreneurial hat and bring that to the world. I mean, obviously you recognize yeah. the need of those behind Josh being diagnosed with this really nasty disease, but what was that decision-making yeah. process like and what sorts of things are you actually doing with JPF to help other people?
0: Yeah. No, great question. Thank you so much for asking that. Super daunting task, you know, starting a nonprofit. It's still a huge learning curve for me. So I'm still learning as I go. or still building up, you know, a board right now and setting up our bylaws and all that. But up until the point where I started it. So Josh passed away in December of 2016. And then I actually officially filed paperwork for JPF in April of 2017. So shortly after and there's just no question, you know, everything that you guys have heard of Josh, you can understand why this legacy exists. And I knew in my mind that I wanted to tangibly support patients, patients that are diagnosed today. I wanted to be able to support and help. And, you know, there's a lot of other nonprofits that, you know, raise money for research, which is very important. And we actually donate to those foundations as well to help support. But our biggest thing was tangibly supporting these patients. Watching Josh go through his battle and watching his strong mindset help him face all the curveballs along the way made me realize that that is such an important piece of the puzzle that needs to be kind of drilled in at the very beginning. So what I started to do was I started connecting with his doctor's oncologist and tried to figure out what the unmet needs were. And there just really wasn't in the sarcoma realm. So there's about over a hundred different subtypes of sarcoma cancer. So they say it's rare, which it is, because every little subtype is rare from a number perspective. But if you look at sarcoma as a whole, I swear I meet somebody once a week that has some sort of direct connection to somebody with sarcoma cancer if they aren't directly related to it as well. So we wanted to mentally empower these patients, like first day of treatment. So what I decided to do was I kind of looked through Josh's things and gathered kind of a list of items that he would take with him to treatment every day and his items that he kind of wouldn't leave home with and just always had nearby. And I decided to create what we call a Powell pack. And it's just a drawstring backpack that has our keep going slogan on it, strong mind, strong outcome. And in that backpack are just functional, motivational items that patients will take with them to treatment every day as a constant reminder to keep going. So in the packs, there's a wristband that Josh had created when he was battling that says keep going on one side and never die easy on the other side. And then the statement that he wrote, which explains kind of what keep going means. And inside the brochure kind of explains why JPF was started and what this pack is intended to do. So when patients receive it, they're not like, what the hell? So inside is also a leatherback journal um, with the Keep Going logo on it. Strong mind, strong outcome. Josh wrote everything down. He got all the thoughts that were swirling around in his head. Onto paper, And I think that helps him mentally a lot through his battle. Also, you have all kinds of different appointments that you have to keep track of. You can't ever go anywhere without a pen and paper. So we've got our journals in there. He also has a super awesome water bottle that he put all these fun stickers on that he would take with him every day because you can't stay hydrated enough in general, but especially when we are going through chemo and radiation. So there's a water bottle in there. There's also a keep going beanie in there just for when patients go through chemotherapy and lose their hair. Uh, There's a magnet, a yellow sarcoma ribbon magnet. So patients can put that on their car and start spreading awareness right off the bat. Or if they have friends and family members who want to support them in their battle and kind of want to help spread awareness as well, they can grab one of those. And, you know, there's a laptop sticker on there and, um, Some other goodies. We're putting, of course, hand sanitizer in there now, and masks (laughs) for patients with the crazy times that we're dealing with. But that's what we do. We create these packs. This program's implemented at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, which is one of the top cancer hospitals, but also specifically for sarcoma cancer and Moffitt in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. And so all of these patients that are either receiving chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery on their first day of treatment after they're diagnosed, they receive the pack. And it, timing is crucial because this is the time when these patients are most scared and nervous and feel like this is the end of their life and i think it's the perfect opportunity to share a story of somebody who had walked in their shoes prior who Chose to face his battle with resilience and never let cancer get the best of him, regardless of what the outcome is. And it directs them to our social media platforms where we share stories of other like minded individuals who have also faced a similar situation and are either, you know, on the other side of this and they can give them all the hope in the world, you know, or people like Josh who didn't make it, but still left this incredible legacy and impact because of the way that they chose yes. to face the
2: battle. I just love that so much. I love that so much for two big reasons. One, the community aspect. I can yes. only imagine receiving that diagnosis. It's got to be soul crushing. And you probably go in the scarcity mindset. Why did the world give me this? I'm the only one. So having yes. that I think is so huge. And then two. Yes. Josh was obviously special, no doubt sure. about it. But I think people having the opportunity to see that there is still the option to choose something different in terms of being a fighter and not going down easy is just so empowering and it's just so huge. I've got to imagine yeah. that that really gives people a championship type mindset. Like, all right, you know what? This is what it is, and it's unfortunate, but we're going to battle, and we're not just laying down.
3: Yeah.
0: And that's why I love you because you got it from the very beginning. The first time I ever shared any of this with you, you were like, yes. Like, I love this. I'm Uh so about it. And that's why when you wear your keep going shirt or I wear my never die easy shirt or whatever it may be, it is that it seems silly because it's just a tangible item. But you look at it and you're reminded my day was shitty, but it beats the hell out of the alternative. And I'm not going to make excuses. I have to keep going.
2: Yo, I literally have goosebumps in my bald head right now. Like, (laughs) it's it's, for me, honestly, it's the equivalent of like a cape. Like, you just that costume. But like, when I think about it, it it gives you that little extra something. Like, I don't know what to call it, but it gives you that extra something. And I, I still have the testimony. I've read that on my fridge. And when you make the connection in your mind, it really embodies a championship mindset, a winner mindset. And from what I know about this guy from the stories you've shared and the things I've read online, the guy was a winner. And I think that we all have a little bit of a winning type of mentality in us, but sometimes it's hard to extract. And I think that's really what you're doing here is you're putting that in people's minds and their hearts.
0: Yes. You said it perfectly. And I say this often, it's you, help people understand that they have a choice oh, that their cancer yeah. diagnosis doesn't have to be the end of their life, right? It right. may steal their life at some point, but it doesn't have to be the end from the beginning. Right. And this is a Testament.
2: Like, look at this. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's that's so exactly right. Yeah. And
0: the testimonials that I've received, because you know, when you create something and you have a vision and you're like, just pouring your heart and soul into something. You just hope that it turns out to be successful or that it's effective and to receive testimonials from patients who have received packs or who have heard Josh's story or received a wristband or purchased something to hear how it's impacted them in a positive way and has, you know, been a source of courage, strength, and empowerment. Mm -hmm. That's just more fuel to help me realize that this is making a difference. And it's the encouragement that I need to keep doing the hard things, which is keep, you know, pushing down barriers and, and, you know, sitting people down and having them listen to what we're doing, because the more people that get involved, the more wider spread this can become. And eventually this will be beyond sarcoma cancer. It'll be all kinds of different types of cancer. And it'll be all kinds of different types of adversity because it's such a universal message. It's such a universal mission, you know, inspiring the world one battle at a time. It's using whatever battle that you face in life to better the world by inspiring people through the way you chose to face it. And I'm someone who has chose to do that. You are. Josh was. And because of that, we continue to make a difference to help people not feel alone. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes is just feeling like you're not struggling alone. You're not facing this adversity alone.
2: Bobs, you are one of a kind. Um, I'm beyond grateful to know you and to call you a great friend. Uh, I just can't wait to continue to see how you further this mission. And I am just truly beside myself. Every time I get the opportunity to talk to you and just to hear more about this story, I always take something new from it, but really more about how you're using your lived experience to really help other people. I mean, I think that's the essence of life. We're not here to do it alone, we're here to do it with one another. And so, I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for just being a person that so truly embodies that. Like, it's just so impactful. And I think you know, and I know you know, but I just, I'm saying it one more time just so you definitely know. And with that, before we sort of pivot to my last kind of handful of questions here, I want you to kind of talk a little bit about um, where people can follow your journey, your story, or even potentially contribute to the JPF Foundation.
0: Yeah, you can follow us on LinkedIn. You can follow me, Fabi Powell. Um, You can also follow our Instagram and Facebook, Josh Powell Foundation. And then if you want to read any articles or learn more about what we do and get involved, you can go to joshpowellfoundation.org. And right now, the best way to support is through donations and merchandise purchases, just because all of our events are kind of on hold until COVID-19 passes. So. All the support is appreciated. If you guys want to get involved and help us kind of spread the word or you feel like you have a skill set that would be helpful, we're always open to having conversations about that and collaborating. So those are the best places. And yeah.
2: I love it. Guys, please check out joshpowfoundation.org. The website is dope. It's a cool layout. Tons of great information there. And hit the merchandise store, please. Like, I'm rocking one of my teachers I've had now for probably maybe almost a couple years. And yes. it's super snug. It, it hugs the biceps, guys. It hugs the biceps right where you need it to. It's so soft. I sleep in it. I work out in it. Awesome stuff. Top of the line quality. And I think Bobby just came up with a ton of new like, designs and stuff. So please check that out and grab yes. something there. Bob's, we are heading into the free time five. It's kind of my fun little random round just for the audience to get to know you a little bit more of a personal level. Fun questions and you can try to yeah. answer in one sentence. Cool?
3: Yeah, love it.
0: Awesome.
2: So what is your favorite thing to do now in your free time, especially now that we're quarantined and hunkered down?
0: Oh, free time. So my sister and I just escaped to the mountains. I'm a big outdoorsy person. So I like to take the dogs on a walk, like multiple walks per day. I also just bought a townhouse in the summer that has an amazing rooftop. So you can always find me relaxing, watching the sunset on the rooftop, just anything to get outside. I actually am also a huge dork and I love doing puzzles. (laughs) <laughs> so I started a puzzle before we jumped on here and I'm like really anxious to get back at that. I'm so excited. It's so stupid. Like, I feel that the sense of accomplishment when I'm done. <laughs> and it passes so much time. So if you guys are bored out of your minds and like have watched all the TV in the world, yeah. order some puzzles off of Amazon because that will... Like before you know it, it's been seven hours and you need a chiropractor and (laughs) everything.
2: Good to know. I'll have to get a nice little 500 piece here for Julia and I. We're not puzzle people, but maybe we'll Oh,
0: you better step it up. I only do a thousand pieces.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Amazon, here I come. Um, Second question. So I ask this of every guest. Pretend potential were a place on our map, like a physical destination you could go to. Fobs, what would be more fun for you Would it be the drive or the journey to potential or would it just be arriving in and of itself?
0: Oh, Josh and I did so many road trips when we were together. I like have this dream of renting or maybe my future husband has an RV, I don't know. But just driving, I think it's the journey. Like the destination is awesome, but the journey is the unexpected part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where you make just unexpected memories along the way. I've met so many great people like traveling to my destination and just so many amazing stories from point A to point B that it's the in-between, I think.
2: I love it. Great answer. Um, What's your favorite empowering quote that you'd like to leave the audience today? Could be something that you say or something by somebody else.
0: Honestly, I think love fiercely because this all ends. I say that all the time. But there's one thing that we're all capable of, no matter who you are, what you've been through, you know, what you're going through at the moment, we all are capable of loving one another. And there's no greater gift than loving someone fiercely. And I had the opportunity to be able to do that and be loved fiercely in return. And there's nothing like it.
2: I love it. I love it. I'm really big on manifestation, and I think that, you know, all great things start off as little baby ideas or thoughts. Mm -hmm. So before me and the audience today, where do you see yourself in the next six to nine months? It could be personally, professionally, whatever.
0: Oh, that's a tough question because this COVID-19 kind of threw that all off. But six to nine months, I would say that... I'm still going to be here in Nashville and enjoying my new home. I have a feeling that love may come into my life by then. I pray for that often. Three years alone has been a long time. So I see that coming into my life. And I think when that happens, this person will have kind of a similar passion for serving and helping others. And Josh and I always talked about being just this unstoppable team. And I hope that my future husband kind of carries that torch and we can just take over the world. I definitely think that we'll be in another cancer center in the next six to nine months. And I think that I'll have a good start as far as like board members go. And with that, I know that JPF will take off pretty quickly we're off to a good start we have some really awesome events planned that are on hold but we're gonna hit the ground running once this is all behind us
2: i love it and that actually leads me to my last question do you hope to find true love again and it sounds like you do
0: oh my gosh it's i I am like the biggest hopeless romantic i believe in love more than anybody on this earth i know for sure josh is gonna send me someone he's just getting him prepared. And I've had to do a lot of work on my own going through this brief journey and just finding myself again through all of this. I know that we'll, we'll meet at the perfect time. And yes, it's something that I so look forward to experiencing again.
2: Bobby, thank you so much for coming on and just blessing us with your presence and talking from the heart, wishing you nothing but the best girl.
0: I love you. Thank you for having me. I'm so proud of you. And I'm just so grateful to have a friend that is as supportive as you've been. And every time I see you wearing that shirt, you always make me want to cry. Because of that, Josh will never be forgotten.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace.
2: Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com chat. That's Carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot com slash chat to book a 15 minute free Zoom call with me and I can't wait to see you there.